You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 88 by Rudolf Steiner, uh, the notes from 16 lectures and four private lessons, translated by James Hines, and it's entitled Concerning the Astral World and Devakan. This is Lecture 3, entitled The Origin and Nature of the Human Being, given in Berlin on November 11th, 1903. Today, we must look into the important questions of the origin and nature of the human being. When these important questions are asked, one cannot say that the answers are particularly easy. The following lectures will present us with fewer difficulties. As I said at the beginning of these lectures, we are to think of the human being as composed essentially of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. In the further course of these lectures, we will see how these parts of the human being are joined together. Theosophical insight shows us a threefold origin of our own nature. In order to discuss this threefold origin of the body, of the soul, and of the spirit, we must go to the most far-flung regions of the universe imaginable. We must look into the processes that we as theosophists understand as being processes and events in the life of the divine spiritual world. The esoteric philosophy of all ages has characterized the universe in its depths as the rhythmic life of the spirit of the world. Hindu philosophy, for example, speaks of Brahma's inhaling and exhaling. Brahma passes through various stages of his divine life. These stages unfold in such a way that they can be compared with an inhaling and exhaling of the divine primal spirit. Exhaling was the creation of a world. Inhalation is the transition from a world that has fulfilled its tasks into a kind of sleep state, which then translates into a new existence, into the creation of a new world. Thus the condition of a world revealed is constantly alternating with the condition of rest, Manvantara and Pralaya are the names for the condition of revelation and the condition of the Godhead at rest within itself. This is a picture. Human words in our time are inadequate to describe the process underlying this picture. According to our human view, that is, according to the view of those whose spiritual sight has been opened to these mysterious conditions of the universe, we have to distinguish three breaths of the divine primal spirit. And at the same time, these three breaths portray the threefold origin of the human being. We must thank three separate parts of the divine breathing for the fact that human beings consist of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. We now want to attempt to follow this threefold origin of the human being. To begin, let us imagine the seven steps of development from the first step to the point where human beings stand before us in their present stage of evolution. At the first stage of evolution, which we call the first elemental kingdom of the universe, there is nothing present like what comes to meet us in our current world, 
There is nothing at all present of the multiplicity of stones, plants, and the animal world as they meet us today. Neither is there anything of the multiplicity of our thought world. Neither is there anything of the formation of thoughts that underlies the creation of our world. Also there is nothing of the laws of nature. However, in the first elemental kingdom, there is a system of foundations for everything that comes later. Those who have eyes for this system of all further world seeds know that these seeds are infinitely beautiful and lofty. Everything that appears later is only a weak reflection of what is present in seed form in this first elemental kingdom. Present in these seeds are the majestic intentions of the divine primal spirit, the intentions it has for the individual worlds. And just as developments remain behind intentions, so too do they remain behind in relation to divine world-being, not in everything but in the details. In the great multiplicity of infinity, the intentions are wonderfully fulfilled. For this reason, theosophy calls this first elemental kingdom the world of formlessness, which will only later give birth to form out of itself. Only in the later course of world development does this world of primal spirit take on form. These forms can only be compared with the forms that our thoughts have. Just imagine if what you have outside of yourself were to disappear, and only what is within your mind, what you could remember, would be present. You would have an ocean of thoughts. You have forgotten what you have seen and heard, also what you have seen in terms of bodies. Such thought forms, but just the great ones, are the content of the second elemental kingdom. The whole universe has become a formed thought universe. You must imagine the kingdom of formed thoughts to be like the world of ideas that Plato once thought. This world is the kingdom of reason, just as the mystics in the Middle Ages imagined. Later, evolution displayed a step into more density. The world thoughts imprinted themselves for the first time into a form of matter that one can for the first time truthfully call matter. This is the astral kingdom. The light thoughts have become astral beings that we can now perceive indeed as the drives and passions flowing through space. Only seers can perceive these streams. They perceive them in luminous forms. These streams are present in the third elemental kingdom. Ancient philosophers speak about the three elemental kingdoms, but the people who study their philosophies do not know what was meant thereby. We need go back only as far as Empedocles. He said that everything is brought about through love and hate. On these second and third steps, thoughts were condensed. When the third step was reached, the astral matter was consolidated. It became denser and denser, while the substances and processes that physical human beings only now understand were woven into the consolidating astral matter. A web of natural laws and forces was woven into matter. Theosophy calls this kingdom the mineral kingdom. You must not imagine that the mineral kingdom at this step already had formed minerals, crystals, and so forth. No, everything that became mineral at a later, much later stage, everything that undergoes chemical bonding and dissolution, still passed through this fourth kingdom like lightning and thunder. 
We call this the cosmic mineral kingdom or the fourth elemental kingdom. Everything that lives in our physical body that today reigns over all the laws in our physical body, everything that works in a lawful manner in our physical body was dissolved at that time in these forces surging through the universe, in these mineral forces. Everything that constitutes our present-day body was present in that mineral kingdom. The origin of the forces and matter that are in our body and compose a part of our being comes from there. The bodily nature of the human being was formed out of these elemental processes. In the moment when these elemental processes had progressed sufficiently, as I have described it, in this moment something else entered into this mineral universe. And this something else concerning which I will now speak is what lives in us as the soul part of our nature. Originally, the bodily as well as the soul part were contained in the same divine primal being. It was the first part of the divine breath that I have just described. I will now describe the other part. We can summarize the first part of this evolution by calling humanity a generic group, all sharing the same characteristics. With respect to the species, all the human beings were more or less the same. We often speak of animal or plant species. So too there is a human species occupying the entire earth. There is a personality present in each individual entity of the species. Through the fact that I am a member of the species, human being, I am formed in a way similar to all other human beings. But within this species there is something that I call my personality, and this constitutes my soul. I am a personality through the fact that I have personal interests, personal sympathies and antipathies, and so forth. Despite the fact that people are equal, and the same as members of the same species, they are distinguished with respect to their personalities, so that no two people are the same. This personal element in human beings did not arise from the same part of the divine breath. It comes from another side, in order to unite with the mineral substance. The generic character arose through the first part of divine breath. The personality arose through the fact that it followed another path through the universe up to the point when it was united with a generic being. What later constituted a human personality had already lived through a series of stages on this other path, had already experienced a series of lessons. It had already been incarnated on other steps of evolution present in nature that were similar to our physical nature today similar to the plant kingdom, similar to the animal kingdom, but in another, a different kind. The forces that are capable of making us into personalities have already passed through many steps, which I would now like to describe. Thus the human personality comes from another world. The personality has already passed through steps of development in order then to unite with the other part, the generic, As if from a secondary stream, dim desires flow over into a mainstream. Imagine countless such, in quotes, personality beings, who at one time had already had physical bodily natures, which indeed looked entirely different than we human beings now appear, but nevertheless were our ancestors. 
Imagine these beings now flowing into this stream of universal mineral elemental substance. Imagine further that these beings had a corporeality that was much denser and larger than our corporeality. We can say that they have been split off from the divine breath. A flow of forces had arisen that had learned through stages of evolution to become personality. All the souls that inhabit human bodies have come over from this stream. After successfully completing passage through a difficult phase, they allowed themselves to be sunk, so to speak, into the substance of the universe as I described earlier, as dim desires and passions, and constituted themselves as personalities. They were conjoined with what is passion and desire. This stream was developed down, in quotes, as it were, until it became the astral world. This cosmic desire and passion nature has sunk down into the physical human seed as a gift for development, for evolution. This moment marks the beginning of the evolution of our earthly nature. Our earthly path begins in the moment when these two are united. We characterized this double origin of human beings in this way, the universal Logos, who is the foundation of the primal spirit, sent down the one stream, the third Logos, and the third Logos took on various forms that I described as the first, second, and third elemental kingdoms. You must not think that this third part of the Logos, this third part of the breath of the divine world soul, had been inactive up to this point. No, this spiritual being, the third part of the divine breath, guided from outside the entire sequence of elemental kingdoms that I have listed, guided the entire process of leading the desire nature to personality. All that was necessary to prepare these two sides, until they reached the point of development in order to be united, was brought about by a third breath of the divine world soul. The second Logos also successfully passed through various stages until it could become the seed of the personality. The third and the second Logoi flowed together and from this confluence of the third and second Logoi arose those forms that then gradually built up our earthly sphere. Now human evolution begins as we see it. The Logos that is able to form a mineral body out of desire, sensuality, instinct, and the Logos that learn to develop these characteristics as personality are united. And now human beings begin their earthly journey. Now the union begins between the generic human and the human personality. They gradually learn how to enter one another. These two are present in us. They are located in us in such a way that the generic works in our physicality and the personal element works in our soul. Only gradually do they find the harmony to work together, so that the soul element which comes from the second Logos harmonizes with the physical. At first the body was an unwieldy bearer of the psyche. The psyche could not yet find the organs and forces in the bodily nature necessary to express itself fully and entirely. So, the psychic element, quote, worked its way through, close quote, imprinting itself in matter. In a series of evolutionary cycles, the spirit takes a material nature upon itself. As evolution proceeds, 
the body increasingly becomes an expression, an instrument of the soul element, of its inhabitant. Then the stage appears in which the actual spirit itself, what we refer to as the spiritual part of the human being, unites with these other two elements. Now the divine breath itself flows into what had first to form itself, after the two parts were adapted to each other, so that one becomes the bearer and the other becomes the strength or power. Then the highest element, the spirit, flows into this entity. What until now had been only the central director of events, the universal wisdom of the world, streams into the world itself. This is the moment that we characterize as the inflowing of the first Logos. Everything has now become so mature that it can serve as a bearer of the first Logos. I will describe this moment of the inflowing of the first Logos as follows. Picture a room that is illuminated by a central light. On the sides of the room there are reflecting spheres that reflect the light back a thousandfold. Each individual sphere reflects back the image of the light. In this way we must imagine human beings in the universe, guided by the spirit from outside. Let us assume that the spheres portray the human beings symbolically as generic beings. The light that illuminates everything comes from the outside so that the spheres from within can give only an inessential mirror image. This was the case in human evolution until the point in time that we are now discussing. Until then human beings were like mirrors with the first logos, the spirit soul of the world shining upon them. Human beings cast the light of the world soul back to it. They reflected what shone forth from the spiritual light. Now picture the light transformed so that the central light flows out and begins to penetrate into the spheres in order that a part of its being might awaken the individual spheres to shine themselves. The light flows out in order to bring what until now could be only a reflection to the point of shining with enlivened light. These spheres now shine forth with their own light, light that has been cut off from the central source. Thus we must imagine that at a certain moment in evolution the first Logos, the spirit soul, sacrificed part of its shining light in order to give it to human beings. Now human beings are equipped with all three parts of their being. The first Logos took possession of the human being. From then on the human being consists of three parts. The part that went through the mineral kingdom was united with the soul development and then advanced to the condition of maturity so that the spirit, the son of the world, the spirit soul, can take possession of it. These three successive stages of development have united with the three parts of the human being. We can give the exact time when this took place. We live now in the fifth post-Atlantean epoch. This influx of spirit occurred in the middle of the third epoch of humanity, the Lemurian time. The third race of human beings, the Lemurians, inhabited a continent that has long since declined and disappeared. It existed south of the present-day Indian subcontinent and Southeast Asia. What we call the human capacities for forming mental pictures and rudimentary thinking 
were created at that time. After this, the fourth race of human beings came, the Atlanteans, who inhabited a continent between Africa and America. Plato's writings still referred to this continent. After this, the fifth race of human beings to which we belong was developed. In the third epoch, in Lemurian times, the human being began to have a threefold nature. The first beings that we know today as human were developed at that time. What were those beings like? What we are in truth, which is eternal in us, was previously of an entirely spiritual nature. Previously our higher nature lay imperishable, not in the form that it has adopted, but in its innermost being. Before our spirit nature was taken hold of by our human nature, it was a pure spiritual being, and formed a part of what is present as the central sun, S-U-N, as the spiritual light of the world. What descended into the physical human being was not yet what we find in the human being today. It was only a mirror image of the human being's true being. It inhabited only the spiritual sphere of the world, the sphere of the first Logos. We rested as spiritual beings in the Logos, as the first sparks in the flame of the central light. Then our spiritual being was sunk deeply in what had been prepared for us as bearers, and what sank down, what lives from eternity to eternity in the most varied forms, is the third element of human nature. That is what we characterize as the actual individuality of a human being. Human beings thus consist of the generic being, which has the same form for all human beings living on the earth. Here human beings do not differ from one another. This is the physical nature of human beings. The other nature, the soul, psychological, joy and pain, desire and passion, this is their personal being. This one arises and disappears, and arises anew in the astral world. The fact that such personalities can arise is due to the possibility provided by the stream that I described as the second stream. In addition, we have the individuality, also called the causal body. Why do we call the individuality the causal body? The causal bodies were always present. They are immortal. Before they inhabited this body, they inhabited other bodies in the earlier races, all the way back to the Lemurian human race, which lived on the island of Lemuria. This causal body was always embodied, but it entered for the first time into a human psychic bodily being in Lemurian times. Before that it was not yet entangled in matter and in the psyche. It led a spiritual existence, which it will again lead when it will have passed through the various lessons required of it. What we call the causal body is what forms our eternal essence, what we carry within us as soul, what inhabits our body as a soul that has united with our physical body, so that we can say the possibility for something personal to arise in our physical body resulted from the union of our soul and physical body at the beginning of our earth's evolution. It was not formed out of a primal mist, as physicists and astronomers imagine. Rather, it came forth from what the ancients called water, over which the spirit hovered. This signifies nothing other than the spirit, 
concerning which I have spoken, the spirit that came from entirely other universes. The preparatory stages for the human being began at that time. It was a long while until the physical and astral bodies were prepared to be able to become bearers of the actual spirit soul. This point in time, when the psychic and the bodily natures were combined, and also the point in time when the spiritual nature was combined with the psychic bodily nature, was indicated in Blavatsky's title, Secret Doctrine. And finally, the three parts of the breath of the world soul are indicated by the words, quote, the world soul had again slept through seven eternities, close quote. That was a pralaya. From this sleep of the world came forth the existence where the human being learned that it could ensoul a body subject to mineral laws. The human being has come together from three streams. Three evolutions had to be completed before they could come together in the human being. The generic being had one origin, the soul being another origin, and the spiritual part had yet another origin. What links together the entire being is our causal body, the eternal. It comes from pure spiritual spheres and should again return to pure spiritual spheres. However, it should return in such a way that it carries back into the kingdom of the spiritual all that it has learned within earth existence, all the experiences that it collected. Enriched in itself, it should again come back to the spiritual world. If we wish to form an image of these three origins of the human being, we can compare them with something like the construction of a house. The house is built of bricks, and we have the furniture which fills the inner rooms, which creates the house's comfortableness. This is to be compared with the human soul. Within the whole is the thought, which can be compared with the causal body, with the ideal spirit that inhabits the body. The sense organs are the windows through which the causal body sees out onto the world. Before we moved into the body, we were equipped with spiritual sense organs and had an unobstructed view of everything around us. Now, moved into a house, we must look out through the windows. Nature can reach us only through these windows of the sense organs. Just as a human being cannot always live outdoors but must go back into a house, so too the spirit must always return again into the building prepared for it in order to see through the sense organs, the windows, and behold what it had previously seen from outside. In the next lecture I will explain why this is the case. The end of Lecture 3